In uh, preparation for uh, today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Exodus, chapter 25, verses 23 to 40, and chapter 30, verses 1 to 10. You shall make a table of acacia wood, two cubits long and one cubit wide, and one and a half cubits high. You shall overlay it with pure gold and make a gold border around it. You shall make for it a rim of a handbreadth around it. And you shall make a gold border for the rim around it. You shall make four gold rings for it and put rings on the four corners which are on its four feet. The rings shall be close to the rim as holders for the poles to carry the table. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold so that with them the table may be carried. You shall make its dishes and its pans and its jars and its bowls with which to pour drink offerings. You shall make them of pure gold. You shall set the bread of the presence of the table before me at all times. Then you shall make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand and its base and its shafts are to be made of hammered work. Its cups, its bulbs, and its flowers shall be of one piece with it. Six branches shall go out from its sides, three branches of the lampstand from its one side, and three branches of the lampstand from its other side. Three cups shall be shaped like almond blossom in the one branch, and a bulb and a flower, and the three cups shaped like almond blossoms in the other branch, a bulb and a flower. So for six branches going out from the lampstand, And in the lampstand, four cups shaped like almond blossoms, its bulbs and its flowers. A bulb shall be under the first pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the second pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the third pair of branches coming out of it, for the six branches coming out of the lampstand. Their bulbs and their branches shall be of one piece with it. All of it shall be of one piece. Of hammered work of pure gold, then you shall make its lamps seven in number, and they shall mount its lamps so as to shed light on the space in front of it. <clears throat> its snuffers and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made from a talent of pure gold with all these utensils. See that you make them after the pattern for them, which was shown to you on the mountain. Exodus 30:1 to 10. Moreover, you shall make an altar as a place for burning incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. Its length shall be a cubit, and its width a cubit. It shall be square, and its height shall be two cubits. Its horn shall be of one piece with it. You shall overlay it with pure gold, its top and its sides all around, and its horns. And you shall make a gold molding all around for it. You shall make two gold rings for it under its molding. You shall make them on its two side walls, on on opposite sides, and they shall be holders for poles with which to carry it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. You shall put this altar in front of the veil that is near the ark of the testimony. In front of the mercy seat, that is over the ark of the testimony, where I will meet with you, 
Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. He shall burn it every morning when he trims the lamps. When Aaron trims the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense. There shall be perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer any strange incense on this altar or burnt offerings or meal offerings, and you shall not pour out a drink offering on it. Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year. He shall make atonement on it with the blood of the sin offerings of atonement once a year throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. Praise God for the reading of his word. We may now be seated. So God commanded Moses to build the tabernacle according to the pattern he showed, that God showed. Moses and the volunteers followed every detail. So we'd like to say that God is interested in the details. And that includes our lives, our ministries, our work. The people contributed their wealth to build the tabernacle. Moses had to stop them because they gave more than enough. It was a happy time if you are concerned of the tabernacle and if you are concerned of God's ministry, when people give more than enough, it is a joy. Many men and women voluntarily worked to make the furniture and clothing needed. So not only did they give their wealth, they also volunteered their time, their energy. They gave their time to work on the tabernacle. Now, I'd like to show you some pictures uh, it's a set of pictures where to give you a visual on the tabernacle. So can we have that, please? So this is the tabernacle, and it is surrounded by the people of Israel. It's at the center, and we have shown this to you, but for those who just arrived, and let me show to you that this is a tabernacle. It has boundaries. These are the two furnitures we discussed last time. The altar of, in the, not the altar of, the altar of sacrifice, and then the brazen laver. And inside the tabernacle are two compartments. Let's show that overhead. So here is the overhead view of the tabernacle. This is the outer court. It means it's outside. Now inside the tent, there are two compartments. One is the holy place, and the other one is the most holy place, or also called the Holy of Holies. For some of you who have studied this before, uh, this is nothing new. Now, we are now here. Last Sunday, we discussed the brazen altar, which is also the altar of sacrifice, and the brazen laver. So now we are discussing the holy place, the table of showbread, the lampstand, golden lampstand, and the, the altar of incense. Now, this is the golden lampstand, which is found inside the holy place. Remember, from the outside, first is the altar of sacrifice. Again, it symbolizes for the New Testament. The New Testament writers kept saying, by the blood of the Lamb, by the sacrifice of Christ, through his death, which means in the altar of sacrifice, they killed Okay, they killed and then 
they sacrifice and they poured out the blood. Then they go to deliver. The priests wash themselves. And when they enter, this is very much needed. The golden lampstand, which has seven, um, well, seven branches that holds light. So let's just show the, the other pictures, please. So this is the table of showbread, okay? The table of showbread, which we will discuss today. Next. This is the altar of incense. And behind that is the most holy place, which where the Ark of the Covenant is, and on top of it, the mercy seat, which symbolizes a throne. Take note that the tabernacle, especially the ark, the throne, is like it's a shadow of what is in heaven. And all these is also a shadow of Christ to come. It's like a foreshadowing. It gives us clues on the coming of the Messiah. And when you look at the New Testament writers, how they wrote, somehow, perhaps, their minds were referring to a lot of these things in the Old Testament. So this is the altar of incense. And these three we will discuss. Let's just continue to show the others before. This was the altar of sacrifice. We shared this before, where they sacrificed the lamb. First thing you do is to sacrifice. Remember, before that, you confess your sin. You repent of your sins personally. But yet, you have to bring an animal to atone for your sin. An innocent animal who did no sin. And they must die for your sin. But then when Jesus came, he is the perfect sacrifice. And he is also the perfect high priest who sacrificed himself so that we don't have to keep bringing an atonement. Someone who has to suffer for our sins. Why is this put in place? Remember, one of the attributes of God is that he is just. Yet he is merciful. This is a way how he can both be that being a just God and a merciful God at the same time. The same way in Christ, he was able to reveal who he was. His attributes were manifested because his justice was poured out when Christ suffered. Christ suffered the wrath of God, the justice of God, as a propitiation for our sins, yet we also receive the mercy of God through Christ. And then the brazen laver, and that's where the priest wash, and we discussed last time, the, this symbolizes so much the Word of God because it was made from mirrors, and we know James said, look at the mirror of the Word, look at your reflection, and the more you study the Word of God, the more you see yourself. In fact, the more we see our imperfection, and the irony of it, the more you grow in sanctification, in holiness through the Word of God, the more you realize you're not holy. That's the irony of it. The more you depend on Christ. Whereas the person who thinks he's perfect, the person who thinks there's nothing wrong with him or her is somebody who does not look at the Word of God. Yet the beauty of this is we experience conviction of our sins, yet we do not experience condemnation. Why? Because of the perfect sacrifice of Christ. There is a difference between being convicted of sin and feeling condemned of it. But the worst of all is what? Not feeling anything about sin which is the world today. It's a postmodern world where right and wrong depends upon you. 
And you know how dangerous that is philosophically and practically. If it depends upon me, then why would I follow the law? Why should I drive on the right side of the road in the Philippines? Why not on the left if I want to? Because right and wrong depends upon me. That comes to a point where it's dangerous when you say everything depends on you. And it will be what? Chaos. Once this kind of thinking is propagated and fully lived by people without understanding that there are absolutes and there are areas, yes, we believe that there are areas that are gray, which means let your conscience judge. Let your conscience be the one that weigh it. But what we see in the Word, so the Word is important. Now, in the outer court, there stood the altar of sacrifice, the bronze laver. In the holy place, again, there are three furniture that we're going to look at. The golden lampstand, the table of showbread, and the altar of incense. And in the holy of holies, there stood the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat. So this is the Ark of the Covenant. These actually two. The box here is the Ark, and on top is the Mercy Seat. Inside the Ark are the tablets, the stones, where the laws were etched. The law was placed there, meaning God is a God of justice, and God will respect His law. But then look at the symbolism, the powerful symbolism where the mercy seat is on top of the ark. On top of where the law is inside. Of course, in, in the book of Hebrews, we'll study that it's not only the tablets that were there, but there were two other pieces of items that were in, in the ark of the covenant. And it says that the blood is also sprinkled here, and then the presence of God actually resides on top. No, no, we are not to worship these items. They did not worship these items. Okay, these items were not worshipped, nor were they replicated in every home. But sometimes, you know, for the lamp, they use the lamp practically. And I see Christians having the mini version of the lampstand in their home. Okay, well, it's for design and decoration. Now, let's look at it, each one, the golden lampstand. So number one, we'll look at the golden lampstand. The holy place had no windows. It was a thick tent, thus it was dark. The lampstand was the only source of light, and without the lampstand, the priest would not be able to serve. The priest would not be able to serve without the lampstand, the same way well, if you think of light, and in the New Testament, it was very clear when Jesus said that he was the light of the world. John especially, in the book of John, he wrote about the light, which is Christ. In Matthew, aside from Christ being the light, Christ said that you are the light of the world, his disciples. So there's Christ, the light, and then you as well as the light. Now, if you push it further, but I'm quite concerned if you push it too much, because in the New Testament, the temple is each one of us and all of us, the body of Christ. Now, if you look at uh, in, a, in a one perspective where you are the temple, the dwelling place of God today, man, the dwelling of, of, of God today, is that it seems that your soul, your inner you, needs the light of Christ. And we should say that, 
the one who really came was the one sent by Christ, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that is within us, as in it is symbolized as an oil in the New Testament as well. And the, the light of Christ is within us, and we cannot serve without the light of Christ within us. That's why we always seek for His what guidance. We cannot live lives without the guidance of God's Word and the guidance of the Spirit of God. The Spirit is the guide. So if you live your life based only on your intellect, then we will not fulfill the, the will of God in our lives. I believe that our intellect God gave us so that we can use, and we should grow in intelligence. But above that is what? Our faith in Christ and our dependence on the leading of the Spirit for our lives and our ministries. So without the lamp, without the light of Christ, we cannot serve. So anybody trying to serve without a real faith in Christ, without a real relationship with Him, without depending on His light. You see, our own lights don't matter without His light. We can only share the light to the world if the light of Christ truly burns within. And we must say that this is about our relationship with Him that should be prioritized. It's like seeking Him first and His righteousness, the kingdom and the righteousness first. So let it not be that you serve without the light. And you know what? Aaron had to do this. Aaron had to do this and his sons all the time making sure there is a continuous light in the tabernacle. Once the tabernacle is set, light must be there. We cannot live without light. Next is the table of showbread. God instructed Moses to put plates and bowls, signifying that it is the house of God. Yes, the tabernacle is the house of God. There are, there's bread there, 12 two columns of six. And uh, the, 12 bread, the 12 loaves were offered to the Lord. And because the Lord isn't a pagan God, he doesn't actually need to consume for his sustenance. Unlike pagan gods, they were believed to, they need food, we offer food so that they can sustain themselves. God did not need it, thus he gave it back to Aaron and his sons so that Aaron and his sons could eat. Remember that in the Old Testament, the sons of Levi were not given any land. All the other tribes were given land except the Levites because they were called to serve. Therefore, they were to bring sacrifices and part of the meat is given to the sons of Levi and part of the bread is given to them as well. And it has been patterned in, in today that that's why some of us serve more, more than others, though God expects everybody to serve Him. Yet there are people called by God in certain ministry offices. And that's why in Paul, when he said in, in Corinthians, isn't it right that we also reap material things from you because we shared to you spiritual things? Because we gave to you spiritual things, it's right that the servant of God, the worker of God, eats from the material things from you. So Aaron ate from, from the table of showbread and his sons. Next is the altar of incense. Now Aaron burned fragrant incense every morning and twilight 
morning and twilight. Every morning and every twilight, Aaron had to make sure that the incense continues to burn. It, it's, it smells good. This, this thing smells good, okay? It's fragrance. I don't have time to detail every oil. And, uh, and of course, the most popular would be frankincense. Okay, frankincense, every oil put there to burn. And you know that frankincense oil can now be in your homes because you can order the oil and put in that, that container that, that spreads smoke, okay, in your home. Humidifier that makes the, the air smell better. So Aaron burned something on the incense, but not everything can be offered. Remember what we've read. There are certain things that Aaron can offer, but not everything can be offered there. The priest cannot offer grain, drink, and other unauthorized offerings. There are unauthorized offerings. The blood from the altar of sacrifice, some of the blood, the, the annual priestly, that when the high priest would offer, they would pour the blood, he would pour the blood on the horns outside in the altar of sacrifice, but also in the horns in the altar of incense. Again, it's the blood of Jesus. It's a worship to God. Again, the altar of incense symbolizes a continual worship. So Aaron offered atonement once a year at the altar. Once a year at the altar. Now, some believe, though this is not actually confirmed. Remember, what is confirmed in Scripture is that when the priests do not wash their hands and feet and they enter, they could die. Another is if they offer strange fire, they could die. Okay, we will discuss certain, maybe when you read Numbers. If ever you've read Numbers, the book of Numbers, you'll, you'll read there of stories of some priests who offered strange fire. Something strange, not allowed. Not everything can be offered to the Lord. We cannot make everything a worship. We can make worship, do worship, according to what Scripture says. We must be careful of the lyrics we write. We must be careful of the heart that we have. We cannot just conclude in our minds, well, I'll just give this to the Lord as a worship. If it is not acceptable to God, then it is not acceptable to God. You're making your own plan of worship. It must be according to Scripture. And uh, uh, there was this quotation that I reposted that some people learn to worship God emotionally, but not knowing in truth in their minds and hearts who the God they're worshiping is. And that's, that cannot be. You cannot bring God to the level of your emotions. But you have to understand who He is first and how He wants to be worshipped. How He wants to be worshipped. And we worshipped Him thus. And that should be scriptural, because if it is not scriptural, it is strange fire. Not everything is acceptable then and even today. Again, let's review some, let's go to the application. Christ is the light of the world, number one. He is also the light of our lives. Do we have 1 John 1.5? He is also the light of our lives, and... Uh, let me read this verse. This is the message which we have heard from him and announce to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So he is the light 
of our lives. And you know how John loves to portray that Jesus and God is the light. And both in the book of John and in the epistles, he kept repeating the light, that we should walk in the light. We should walk in his light. Christ also said that we are the light of the world. And let's have Matthew 5, 14 to 16. Therefore, we must share his light to others and not hide it. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So my brothers, the priests experience the light. They serve there, but they have to also teach the people. Listen to that carefully. They serve in the tabernacle to worship God. They serve within because God instructed them. Yet the role of the priest is not only to be in the tabernacle, but to teach others about God, to teach them about the law, to teach them about their history. And that would be the Torah, the Bible then during that time was, was the stories, the oral tradition that they had, plus the written laws that they had. In the same way we as a royal priesthood, not only the clergy, take note in the New Testament, yes, they are called by God to minister, and some even at the full-time level, yet I must say that Everybody belongs to the royal priesthood. What does that mean? We serve God. We worship God. However, we must also teach others about the light of God. That's why we encourage everyone to be in the growth groups. It's not enough that you hear the sermon. You have to analyze the scripture. And I encourage every growth group leader to really analyze the scripture with your growth group. Analyze it line by line. Study the background. How come the outline is made this way? Where, do we have other references? Primary and secondary? Primary is the Bible itself. Secondary would be history. That's not necessarily in the Bible, but gives us an understanding of what this means. So the light of Christ must be shared to others. I hope there comes a time in your life where you are not comfortable not teaching others about Christ. We must share the gospel and the lessons in the Bible to our family. Not only to our family, our other relatives or our friends. But we have to teach somebody. Where the Spirit of God leads you, be led by the Spirit. But if you don't feel any leading, just teach somebody who's willing to listen. What if they just listen, but they don't do? Just speak to somebody who's willing to listen. But the worst is not doing anything at all. For you are the light of the world. You're not to be hidden. <clears throat> when meeting people, I don't reveal immediately that I am a Christian or a pastor. At some point, yes. Sometimes, yes, immediately, if they know about me. Oh, I saw you preaching on... Uh, in my feed, somehow your Facebook reached me. Uh, so I said, yeah, yeah, I'm a pastor there. I don't hide it. I, sh I find a way to share the gospel. And after a while, after they know the character, at least they see by modeling, I have to find a way to preach the gospel to them, to speak to them about it. I cannot be forever just building rapport, you know? 
Building rapport is good. Not sounding too religious is good. But you have to find a way to actually preach the gospel, whether they accept it or not, whether they repent and believe or not. That is not your problem. Let me just tell you this. You will be rejected. You will offer light and you will be rejected. Not everybody will receive the message of Christ. You have to accept it. Jesus said, wide is the road to destruction and narrow is the way. Thus, a servant of God knows what it means. I've been rejected so many times. If you haven't been rejected, perhaps you haven't preached enough. So I encourage you to preach the gospel. If they, ah, they do that to you, let them. But your work in Christ is to share that light he gave you within. The priests serve inside, but they serve the people as well. We must preach and teach God's word. Number two, we have to thank the Lord for his provisions. The table of showbread symbolizes God's provisions. There he was bread. He provided for the priest Aaron and Aaron and his sons and his descendants. For he is the one who allows us to receive blessings. John 3.27, let's read that. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven, whatever he received. Whatever you receive, whatever. That shirt you're wearing today, the food you ate this morning. Some of us did not eat this morning. At least we had hot water or coffee. The coffee you had this morning. Whatever amount you receive from your work or your business, you would not receive that unless God allowed you to receive it. So as God blessed the people of Israel, they gave a portion of what they received to build his place of worship. The same way we all receive something from the Lord and a piece of it, a part of it, we give to God's church community so that we can fulfill our mission. Another thing, we should walk in close covenant relationship with the Lord and with one another. So what does that, this mean? This is very, very important, brothers and sisters. Bread has always been, or eating together, after God gave the, the covenant to Moses, the elders of Israel with Moses ate after the covenant was made. It's a seal. It's like part of the of the ritual of signing the contract, because then they did not sign any paper, nor did they even have thumbprints then, but they ate with witnesses saying, okay, we have witnessed you seal this covenant, and you ate together, you ate this bread together, you seal it. And remember that Jesus did that as well before he died. He talked about the new covenant in his blood. Gross. Why would he say blood? Again, if you understand the Old Testament, you would realize the importance of blood and sacrifice. There has to be blood because the life is in the blood. The new covenant in my blood. And he broke the bread and he gave it. It's like sealing the covenant with his apostles, with his disciples. And take note, Judas, how bad he was, was this. He still took the bread, saying, I agree with you. But then he betrayed. It's covenant relationship. What does that mean? If you have a covenant with God, it means you truly repented and believed, and you truly believe Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, 
and His resurrection, and you believe in Him, if you are truly called by God, you have the sense that you have a divine agreement with God, yet part of that agreement is the church of Jesus Christ. That's why if you look at the old covenant, it's a covenant with God, but look at the laws. You shall not do this to your neighbor. In fact, this is what you should do. This is how you should treat one another. That's the law. Look at it. For God, it was very simple. Worship me. Worship no other idols aside from me. Do not take my name in vain. But then most of it, if you study it, most of it line by line was the relationship with one another. Of course, the ceremonial law was with God, but if you look at, look at their civil law, it's how they treat one another. So I'd like to say to you, my brothers and sisters, if we have a covenant with God, if you take that seriously, then we have a covenant with one another, which means we are related in the Spirit. Not by the literal blood that courses our, through our veins, veins, but what? By the blood of Jesus, by faith in Him. That is why we support one another. But that can only happen well. We can only execute that in a growing church, in the small groups. Please renew your mind when it comes to church. It's not centralized to the pastor. We don't believe in that approach. It is a very limited approach. The pastor develops other pastors and other shepherds, including women shepherds and growth group leaders. So that what? So we can fulfill our covenant with God and our covenant with one another. That's why in the New Testament, they practice that. In Acts chapter 2, you would see there that that. After they believed, what did they do? They continued in the apostles' teaching, and uh, they fellowship, they prayed, and they broke bread. So when every time we eat together, it may not be a little, literal bread, but in, in one of our former churches, we would use a literal bread in the growth group and have literal wine. And we drink, and we say, we remember the Lord's death. But we also know that we have a covenant with one another. That is not exclusive to us, although we practice it in the growth group. That's why, among other believers, bakit magaan ang pakiramdam natin when we meet other believers who truly believe in Jesus Christ? How can we have this affinity? Because we also have a covenant with them. The new covenant is Christ and you and the body of Christ. So I say to you, how do we practice this? The best is find a small group. Build your relationship with one another. It won't happen waiting for it. When we invite you, you call us here. Where can I join? We'll find somewhere for you. You're, you can't be apathetic about it because it's part. If you look, study the New Testament, it's part of the command that we connect with one another and grow with each other. You cannot grow on your own. Aside from the Word of God, growing together, that's how we grow in Christ. Number three, we must offer prayer and worship before the Lord continuously. Uh, let's read Revelations 5, verse 8. So this is the altar of incense. Okay, well, 
I'm using a New Testament verse to just illustrate that the incense is a kind of worship and prayer, most especially prayer. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense. What's the incense? Which are the prayers of the saints. So Aaron offers sacrifice there, but he actually prays for God's people as well. The same way, when we come to the Lord in worship, before in the Old Covenant, there was this, this veil, the veil or the curtain that separated, that separated the altar of incense and behind it is the throne, the Ark of the Covenant. So here continuous incense is offered. The same way prayer must be continuously offered. Here you see the harp on one side and the bowl on the other side, which is what? Incense. Incense. A worship, which is prayer. So prayer is a form of of worship, which is what the prayers of the saints. So when we pray together, we are offering incense to God. It is a form of worship. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. The incense in, in the tabernacle must be continuously, nonstop. It should not stop. So we pray continuously. Romans 12, 1 and 2, what kind of worship? Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Take note, offer your bodies. The body is a form of worship. That's why sexual immorality must not, the body must not exercise that. It should be within marriage alone. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't copy this world. First, look at what Scripture says, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. The mind. How, do you, how are you transformed? Renew your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We must be careful, though, not to offer unauthorized offerings. Remember that that Aaron and his sons and his descendants cannot offer strange or illegal offerings. What is illegal offerings today? If you offer worship that is not scriptural, I think that is in a form strange fire or strange offering or unauthorized offering. For example, uh, worshiping with a with the really unbiblical lyrics or dangerously violating doctrine is a form of, of strange offerings. Well, we cannot sacrifice the blood of goats anymore or the lamb. It will not be accepted as worship on our part. Believers, what pray? It's an offering of worship. We may sing because singing is a form of prayer. And prayer is a form of worship. They go together. Plus, be careful what we say. If you remember Ecclesiastes 5, be careful what you say when you approach God. Be careful with your words. I am shocked that some believers, and I hear this, nagtampo ako kay Lord, that is shocking for me. <laughs> Ikaw. You. A mortal, insignificant man. Who do you think God is? Your boyfriend? 
unless you understand the fear of God, and then you would not say that. But it is spread. That kind of thinking is everywhere. Those who have seen God, at least a partial glory, Paul the Apostle, and if you even look at John the Beloved, Revelations 1, and if you look at Isaiah, when he had this vision of the holiness of God, not one of those exposed to God's glory ever disrespected him or brought him lower. He made himself lower. You don't bring him lower. He made himself as a man. That was humility on his part. Then he was exalted again. Don't bring him down. He will lift you up. As John fell like a dead man and Christ lifted it, let Christ lift us up. But then there's that both intimacy with God, knowing he is the Father, knowing we can trust in him, knowing, we can, we, we, that, knowing that he loves us in Christ, yet there is that other part what, that we never forget because we studied scripture, is what? Reverence. Never offer strange fire. The heart must be right. That's why it's scary if people just worship God without knowing who the God they're worshiping is. We must pray according to God's will and worship in the spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. In truth, what the Bible says. That's why we reflect. That's why the labor. The priest has to wash their hands and feet. And scripture says, because if they do not, and they enter to serve, they might die. Praise God, we don't have to die. But it happened in the New Testament when Ananias and Sapphira offered giving to the Lord. And giving is a form of worship. But they lied about it. You know how they lied? They said, this is all. But actually, they kept some. There was nothing wrong with giving. There's nothing wrong with keeping some to yourself and giving to the Lord. But then because they lied and they said this is all, what, what happened in Acts chapter 5? Instantly, they died. Instantly. They breathed their last. So, brothers and sisters, let us not deceive one another. No, let us deceive God when we worship. Nor, that, nor do we offer something other than what it really is. We cannot pretend. I offer my life to God with all its weaknesses. With all its weaknesses. And we know deep inside us, we are far from worthy. But we should walk in a manner that's worthy, but we know we are not worthy. The irony of it. We strive for holiness knowing that without Christ, we cannot. It is impossible. Yet that is the truth. Do not pretend to be more spiritual than you are. It's better to accept our weaknesses and serve God because that's how it is. As weak human beings, by the grace of God, we serve Him. Do not fear what others say. Do not fear what others think. 
be as honest as we can be before the Lord and before others. So I say to you, my brothers, remember, there's a pattern, and this is a pattern, from faith in Christ's death and resurrection in the altar of sacrifice to the brazen labor to reflect on ourselves and always cleanse ourselves with the Word. Cleanse yourself with the Word. And then as you enter, remember, see the light of Christ. Without Christ, there is no light. Without the Holy Spirit's guidance, we see nothing. The table of showbread. We offer to God what we have, yet God blesses us in return. And the priests, and when I say priest, it's the Old Testament type of priest, not the Catholic type of priest, please. There's no comparison. The Old Covenant priesthood, where they have wives and children, by the way, they have to propagate their race as well because it is reserved for the sons of Levi. They break bread there. They eat there before God, always remembering the covenant. And so we break bread. We eat together, and that's something we do miss. And I hope in the neighborhood churches is one of our strategies today. If you're home, so you're willing to open your home and invite people from your neighborhood to gather in your place, We'll pray and see what support we can do to advance God's kingdom in many locations today. But when you eat together, there's something different when believers eat together. Especially if you eat in the name of the Lord. You can go with the more traditional bread. I remember when I was in UP Los Banos, we used to buy this monai with one raisin in the center. And we break it and hoping, everybody's hoping the raisin will end up in their hand. But it's just one piece of raisin in the middle. <laughs> but it's a fun way to gather. Then we would have grape juice. Then uh, we, we ask some of our assistants, we're going to have, the leaders will have a, a breaking of bread. Can you please prepare? So bread was there. And one time I was surprised why there was orange juice. I said, why is there orange juice here? Pastor, para maiba naman. Uh, uh, well, we try to resemble the fruit of the vine because that was what was there. Uh, it's even better if you have real wine, but if your doctor does not allow you to drink alcohol, please do not. Uh, but the symbol is the fruit of the vine, okay? The fruit of the vine and then from one bread that is broken, the broken body of Christ, yet at the same time, we are eating from one piece of bread saying we are one. We are one in Christ. And the altar of incense, nonstop worship. I'm happy that some of us initiated this prayer chain. If you don't belong to a prayer chain, you can ask some of our, our coordinators to be part of it. Why continuous prayer? Or on our part, when we used to gather regular prayer meetings, at least twice a month, we did that together because it is a form of worship and incense. And even when we gather every Sunday, it is a form of worship and incense. Now, in the individual level, it's something we must continuously do. That's why daily we meditate on the Word and daily we pray. For that is the pattern. That is the pattern for us to be sanctified and to grow and to offer worship to the Lord. Let us all stand. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your message. 
We thank you because the Old Testament patterns you showed, Lord, it gives even clarity to the New Testament words of your apostles. It gives clarity to how they quoted you and how they explained to us the gospel, your good news, and what you've done for us. We thank you that we have the opportunity to study the Old Testament, how you instructed your people then to worship, and how we see it as a, as a shadow, a foreshadowing of Christ who was to come. And now that we look back at what the apostles wrote in the New Testament, we look back further, seeing the alignment, that truly Christ is the fulfillment. Christ is the fulfillment of the ceremonial law and even the other commands. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your salvation. Thank you for your death on the cross. Teach us to ever be faithful to you. Teach us to always have faith in your death and resurrection. Teach us to always look back. We pray that it will never get old in our minds about your death and resurrection. We pray that it is always fresh in our minds and hearts. Our appreciation, our thanksgiving would never end for what you did on the cross for us. We thank you that we have the word, perhaps the generation that was so blessed, so blessed with so many scholars to have brought us to, to, to a more accurate rendering of the writings of the apostles. We thank you that we have the Bible, that we can read and meditate and reflect. Teach us to be faithful, to meditate on it every day for our minds and hearts must be cleansed throughout. Thank you for the light that you have given us, the transformation within our hearts. Thank you for the covenant that we have with you and our covenant with one another. We thank you that we can offer incense and that incense is our prayers, our worship to you. Be pleased with our offering. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship of His Spirit be with you. May the light of Christ burn brightly in your hearts. And may you share this light, preach this light to others. May you walk in the covenant relationship with God and with one another. And may you continue to burn incense before Him through prayer, through song, through silent worship even, a heart that is focused on Him. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Do accept our prayers in His name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Palakpakan natin ang Panginoon.